Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my lovely and talented wife on my side of the table today, Miss Southern Shell. How are you? Good. Good. Doing good. We got Tyler down there, and we got a special guest in your seat today, Shell. Yeah, we got Mart Williams from Swine Life Barbecue. <laughs> Y'all keep Pulled. saying special. <laughs> Just it's no longer special. Mark is back. Mark's Mark's back. back. Mark's back. No, we brought Mark back in today because in less than, it's 13 days now until we'll be downtown on the river cooking Memphis in May. I don't know if I'm ready. You're not ready? I don't know. Oh, there's, no, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. I'm ready. Back. Always ready. I always get nervous about it. It's fixing to start raining tomorrow and rain for like the next eight days. So it's going to be perfect weather. Oh, I hope. I hope. Music, so is Music Fest this weekend? Yeah, it is. is oh, it's it? going to be a mud hole down there. Have y'all seen the new park layout? They put out uh-uh. a video on YouTube. Oh, you need to pull it up and watch it. <laughs> and look at all the stuff they did to it. Look really? It Have y'all it's seen weird. it? It's I've seen a... It's very weird. Like a topo picture of yeah. it. It doesn't yeah. look like... I was expecting big hills and stuff. I didn't see that. It looks the nice. video. It looks nice, but it's man, it's like it's not festival ready. No, it doesn't even look like a place you'd have a festival now. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know if it's like play. It looks like a lot of places for people to get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> it's like got a lot of hiding places. <laughs> you know, no one Memphis. I'm just saying. I don't know. I wouldn't just go out there and hang out. I don't think. It used to be just open. You know, it was a nice yeah. park. You, you could run you fast and open. You could run fast. Yeah. Now you, can, now you got places to duck and hide. And bob and bob weave. And weave. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, man. But it um, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to set up. Because we've seen the, the team layout, and they're just sticking teams in places where they don't have stuff. But they've put a lot of stuff in there. Like there's this big, I don't know what it is, if it's like a woodchuck up against this big slide thing. Standing up, it, Bucky, like a, it? It, it looks like something like that. I don't know if it's supposed to, to be a beaver or a river rat or what. <laughs> but, but Nutria, they, yeah, they've. Had, I mean, because I guess they added stuff for kids. It's got like Playland stuff on it. It's got player and then it's got like a big. Uh, I wouldn't call it a pavilion. It's kind of I don't know. It's weird. You need to look at it. We it's very it. like interpretive, like park interpretive. <laughs> what they've done. <laughs> It's a new age park. It's a new age park with no parking. That's the crazy thing. Well, that was some of the biggest complaints that I saw when people posted that was where do you park? You can't see any parking spots. You know, they used to have turn-ins that have parking spots for for Tomley Park. Now I think all that's gone. So I guess you have to park at – they said they're building a garage down at Bill in front. So you're going to have to park down there. And to get to where, like, the the park stuff is, the playland stuff – Oh, that's probably hat three quarters of a mile. <laughs> so you pay to park, pay to get your car robbed, yeah. and then yeah, you got to walk yeah. to the park. Yeah, and then oh, Uber home because your car's gone. It's gonna be interesting. Um, real quick, I wanted to bring up the old Metairie Crawfish Festival in Cookall. Yes. Oh man, I'm missing that. I hate it, Shell. Uh, May thirteenth. They we went last year. They got, we can't make it this year because Memphis May, but they asked us to. Spread the word for them. Yeah, that. So this is, I want to say it's thirty five. If, it. if you haven't got your ticket yet, it's only thirty five dollars, and it is all you can eat crawfish. There, it's like a, it's a crawfish contest to where they're raising money for um, the children's school there. I think yeah, what it is yeah. the church. 
not really sure, uh, but yeah. Yeah, and it's, man, it's in a cool part of Metairie. It's like a older part. I guess it's called Old Metairie. But um, it is, man, you talk about a crawfish festival. It was a blast. It's like everybody has like a 10 by 10 spot. And they're cooking bigger, bigger and serving and bigger than that, 10 yeah. 20 spot. Yeah, at least. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, they're serving all the people walking around. So you can walk to each little booth, which there's probably 80 booths. At least. And get a, a, boat, of cra- a boat of crawfish. See, yeah. we, we and, talked about that last year. Oh, like, I'd love to do one. I want to do one, but I think a lot of, like, even me, I'm guilty of it. You don't think about, yeah, you can cook one good pot of crawfish, you know, when you're cooking on your back porch, but... You're cooking for hours on end, and you got to mm-hmm. duplicate that recipe. Yeah, well, over and over. So, part it's different. It's not just a people's choice. I think there is a people's choice element where you yeah. get to vote because they give you, like, when you go through the security to get in, show them your tickets. They give you so many tickets, and that's how you kind of do people's choice. But the main part of that one is you actually you get a sack of crawfish, you turn in one box, nothing in it. It can only be crawfish. No, you know, you're not putting potatoes, corn, sausage, all that stuff. Just crawfish, and they actually had ju- like a judging area where we sat down. I think there was six judges on a table, and we judged. I don't know, ten to ten to fourteen, some somewhere in there. It was a, it was a pretty good bit of entries, but as a judge, you only got one crawfish. Like they ask you, go in, get you a crawfish, try it. If you need to go back for another one, you can. But they, you know, you're not sitting there just eating all the crawfish you can while you're judging. Right. And so they do it, and when they get it down to, like, the top ten, they do another round where you make another box, and you go back to it and judge that again. So that was pretty cool. I'd love to put it on. Like, I would love oh, to figure out a way to organize that and put it on. Here's the thing. They though. had a frozen. you got to have somewhere to put all them crawfishes after. Yes. <laughs> you need a, a lot big roll-off or something. Yes. They're coming to get the next day. Yes. That's I can only problem. imagine. Oh, God. That's got to be what bad. I, um, I don't like cooking crawfish at the house. I can honestly say that because – my garbage can gets ripe. It must be bad. It's been most of the time we've cooked at y'all's house. And this past year, I'm like, you want to do it at y'all's? Oh, we'll do it at yours. We're going to your <laughs> you house. You asked me the other day, you want to cook any crawfish? No, you want to cook them? Not at the house. There was one time we had bought like some garbage can, filled it up with crawfish shells, set it at the end of the road, and they refused to pick it up because it wasn't be- their that was, I garbage. I remember that. Yeah. We, we were like, what do we do we now? <laughs> Find a dump. Man, that's so bad. What do we? I think we picked it up and set it down in the bit in we the put it rolling in the other thing, <laughs> and then they got it. I don't think they knew what was in there. Oh, they knew. You oh. can't sneak that by, man. Back when I was running contest, and in the summer you're putting all your trim in there. Like our our garbage picks up on Tuesday. I trim meat on Wednesday, so trim staying in the heat of the summer in our house garbage can until we rolled it out next Tuesday. There'd be buzzards, sir. I mean, it was bad. I know the neighbors hated it. When uh, I had it my gallbladder surgery. You didn't surgery. want to walk on that side of the house, Mark. Heck no. I had my gallbladder surgery a couple of weeks ago, and the weekend before, we cooked a hog, and I cooked uh, two sacks of crawfish at the house. So all that was in my dumpster. And, of course, I just had surgery on Monday, so I couldn't haul it to the road. And I said, hey, Emily. Oh. <laughs> carry that garbage can to the road? Uh, oh, it was bad. Did she? No, she got her daddy to come over and do it. <laughs> really? Yes. Which it yeah, was like it was. Your driveway is eight hundred yards long. <laughs> oh, it's it, a quarter mile. It's love. It was, and it's hills. <laughs> was he hauling out there? Because you can. You I know. got a thing that goes on the ball of your truck. Okay. Oh, and you hook it up. Yeah. Man, if that thing would have broken. Spill. I told him. I said, if it falls off, just keep going. Don't <laughs> what do you don't, don't to, stop. Just don't worry about. Hope it. the coyotes or buzzards Man. or something come get it. It's nothing worse. Uh. Uh-uh. 
you throw some hog meat on top of some crawfish and it oh, is God. bad. Didn't y'all have one that y'all uh, put in a drum and put the lid on and closed it closed up? Closed it up. Left it That's up. when I worked at Cat. Oh, man. We one of I guess when we first got married, we had a crawfish party. and Work. Uh, Huh? At your work? Or no, no, we had it at my house. Oh. So I got one of the big 55-gallon drums from work, and it's got like a band clamp. You seal the lid on, and you seal it tight. And I was like, man, that'd be perfect. So we threw all the crawfish heads in there. I mean, everything, empty beer cans, whatever, all went in there, put the lid on it, clamped it down with the impact, put it in bed in my truck, carried it to work, threw it in a big roll-off. Well, I didn't think about it. When our roll-off got full, our yard man would take an excavator and smoosh it down flat to make it hold more. <laughs> so we're in the shop working, and we're – 50, 60 yards from this dumpster. And I didn't think nothing about it. I'm sitting I'm like, good Lord, what is that smell? Of course, Memphis has its own smell in the summer in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was like, man, something has died. Like, that is terrible. And I look and I see the guy with the excavator smooshing the garbage down. He comes in running. He's like, I don't know what's in that dumpster. <laughs> dead body was He had there. done busted that drum. <laughs> oh. And it's been in there probably three or four weeks. Oh, God. You know, because, I mean, it was a big roll-off dumpster. They, they emptied it like once a month. Yeah. When it gets full. When it gets full. Yeah, yeah. And it was bad. And I'm like, I told Hunter, I was like, don't say nothing about it. I don't know what's out there. Oh, it was bad. It was terrible. Well, tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. Tomorrow? Yeah, isn't okay. it? Yeah. Today, Cinco de Mayo. Star Wars Day. <laughs> today is, oh yeah, today is May the 4th. May yeah. the 4th be with you. And tomorrow is Cinco. That's right. The 5th of May. It's pretty much ought to be called Corona Day. <laughs> yeah. I think. I don't think it has anything to do with yeah. like a really a, a true... Uh, Mexican holiday. I if, mean, it's, if you celebrate Cinco de Mayo by uh, eating Mexican food and drinking margaritas, I celebrate it weekly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah we, that's a once a week thing. <laughs> Friday de Mayo, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need to call it. That's a every Friday. You know, I've learned if you have I've a good learned, week, it's a Friday. I've learned Saturday is the better day in Hernando to go to the Mexican restaurants because mm-hmm. everybody goes like Thursday, Thursday, then Friday. But you go on Saturday, they're all, it, they're yeah, all they're hurt. They're tired. all hurt. Yeah, Everybody's they're... at home. You go in, you don't have to wait. You know, you get better service. The food's really good. So we started going on Friday on Saturdays. I would not go. I went to my last Cinco de Mayo in Hernando last year. It was terrible. That's when we we got up there at like three thirty, didn't we? No, we went. We went to the one over by Kroger. I think that's been two years ago. It's been two years ago. Yeah. It was on, and like you had to wait to get a table, and then you couldn't get anything. It was they had a band out there playing. I mean, it was it was if you wanted to party, it was fun because we had to walk to a beer store and like pass beer over the fence because <laughs> we couldn't get it to. They couldn't have enough servers to serve everybody that was there, and you could hang up eating. There was no chips and salsa. There was no, you know, there was no getting a cheese dip. It was like you saw your server when they set you. She brought you one drink, and that was about it. And then you had to find somebody to bring your ticket to you. Have you gone to Cinco de Mayo at 3 o'clock? I want to say we did last year. That, I think I've only been one time at a restaurant. Is that what you were getting at, what I'm doing tomorrow? Yes. Oh, yes. Day drinking. That sounds like After you a do your idea. reflect and relax time. Yeah, I'm, I, I can reflect and relax at La Siesta. Uh, I didn't even think about that. You got to I get can there put early. The, I can put the uh, Be out of there binge watching Peaky Blinders on hold. <laughs> <laughs> We could be out of there by five six o'clock. I, I think that is a fantastic idea. Before the school, we can be out of there before the school bus gets on. If we start early enough. <laughs> they do serve breakfast. So. <laughs> start. That's a good do a, do a Mexican restaurant crawl. Office 
Cinco de Mayo started breakfast. What time do they open? They got to open at six thirty, probably. Yeah, that's too early. Yeah, they do. That's they too do. early. I'm thinking, you know, brunchish. It sounds like a hospital trip. Let's do brunch de Mayo. <laughs> I tell you, man, I went and got breakfast last weekend. Me and Emily went up there, and I got uh, well. It was when we come back from the Morgan Wallen concert, and I got their breakfast enchiladas. Dude, I'd order that three times a day. They put an egg on top. Egg on top over easy. Oh, that sounds good. What yeah. was inside? Just cheese. But they had like a, the enchilada sauce was bright, bright red, and it was like super spicy. And I went up there for lunch on Sunday. I was like, man, I want the breakfast enchiladas. He said, we only make that sauce for breakfast. I was like, man, you got to be kidding. What, was it like a ranchero sauce or like a red sauce? It was a red sauce, but it didn't, it wasn't a ranchero sauce. Yeah. It was like, had a little citrus, had some lime, and had a ton of heat, but it was, man, it was good. Served it with some rice and beans. I want it every day. You just gave me an idea. There you go. I seen you writing it you down. I wrote that down. <laughs> What'd you write down? Breakfast enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> Not to eat. To do yeah, it, yeah. Know, to That's recreate. a really good recipe. But they done them like the do my version of it. What is the, how you say it, Shell? You say it better, Malcolm. The Bria. Yeah, they do it like that. Like the enchilada is like dipped in the red sauce and then like yeah, cooked yeah. on the flat top. So good. so good. Speaking of Bria, I could not say that. Bria. I don't. I don't think that's how you say it either. That sounds better, Malcolm. <laughs> Berea. <laughs> Berea. Berea. I don't, I don't know how to say it. So you did uh, beef cheek tacos. Yes. Like. And the, the, the whole thing about that that was so good is those beef cheeks I got from Kevin. I mean, these were, these were Wagyu beef cheeks from the butcher shop, Pensacola, Florida. Shout out to Kevin. And when you cook them down, they were so tender. There's still some of it left in the refrigerator. I went by the other day and just got me a pinch out. Just tried it cold. It's still just blow you away. It's amazing. So how'd you cook them? Tell oh, Mark how you cooked them. Because uh, <laughs> I didn't get to try none. So. Oh, there's yeah. still some in the refrigerator. You could, you know film day. You got to come over on film day to try stuff. But, so the first thing I did, well, I fired up the pellet grill. Uh, had to grill the silver back rolling, put some gringo on those cheeks. And man, you know, a lot of times if I go to Sam's and buy cheeks, they come in the big pack and they are nasty. You got to trim on them, a lot, trim to take on off them a lot to take off. These I got from Kevin were really, really clean. I took off a little bit of the silver skin. That was about it. There wasn't much else to trim and a uh, seasonable grande gringo. That was it really heavy though. Cause I wanted it to drive some flavor and I put them on the pellet grill at two fifty for like, they may have been on an hour 45. I just wanted to set that. It's almost like uh, mimicking browning them in a skillet, you know, just getting some reaction on the surface of them, kind of building a little bit of a bark or a crust. And then I mo- while that was doing that, the brie tacos is all about that consomme or that broth that you cook your meat in because it's basically like a Mexican stew, pot roast. And so what I did was I took some of those dried, the guajillo, the ancho, uh, chili de arbol peppers, the dry ones that you see on the Hispanic aisle. And I put them in a pot of boiling water with some onion and garlic and a bunch more gringo just to get build them with some braising liquid. Once I got them hot for about 15 minutes, you boil them, and then you kind of turn it off and let them steep like you do tea. Those peppers get super soft. Move them over to a blender, add some cilantro, and add a little bit of crushed tomatoes, and it makes this – it's almost like a – looks like a salsa. It's, it almost looks like a salsa, like a red sauce. Do you have to take the seeds out of the peppers? I do. So what I, all I do is like on those pods, they're, they're dry and they're kind of crispy. I just take a knife and pop the ends off and then kind of squeeze them a little and all the seeds fall out. If you leave them in, it's going to get hot as fire. <laughs> but if you take the seeds out, and the ones like the guajillos and the anchos, they're not that hot. But those little chili de arbols, 
those things, like two of them, oh man, I'm talking about you need to put some gloves on, and I didn't. <laughs> so it's they are hot. They are hot. I don't know what kind of pepper that is. Did it burn you? Oh yeah, no, they were like I. Some I read something that said these are. If you want heat, add more of those. And so I said they can't be that hot. It's just a little red dry pepper. No, it's hot. Like you ought to done learn by what oh, yeah. little red peppers can do to you. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you put those all in the blender and you blend it up till it's you know it's it don't have to be smooth. It can be chunky a little. And then when those beef cheeks got some good color in them, I put them over in my Dutch oven. How long did it take them to get the about color? An hour forty five. Yeah. You know, it's not long. I mean, you could do that. Like if you just wanted to grill them and get some color in them, you could do it in the Dutch oven and put a little oil in there and kind of brown them a little. I just thought the smoked element would give them a little more depth of flavor. So I put those in the Dutch oven and I poured that chili peppery mixture all over them. And then I added, you're supposed to add like that liquid that you boiled them in, but I used beef broth because I wanted to kind of concentrate some more flavors. And then if you need any more liquid, I can always ladle some of that brazen liquid that you made over but I put the lid on them and then stuck them on there and jacked the temperature up to 350 and let them go until they were fall apart tender. It took them right at three hours. That ain't bad. Something like that. No, it wasn't bad. So you're, you're looking four and a half hours-ish tops. And then once they get done, like you just want to take the lid off and see if they're fork tender or whatever. And whenever you can pull them apart, you just pull them out of that liquid. Save that liquid because that's what you want. That's liquid gold, red liquid gold. But um, it makes like this beef consomme. And a lot of times uh, it'll be chunky depending on how much moisture is cooked out. You need to get some of the fat off of it because beef cheeks are fatty, especially that Wagyu. I just kind of ladle some of that up, skim the top. And then you can add some more liquid or more beef broth just to get it a little runnier if you want it. And you take that beef cheek, shred it all apart, and I set it over on the Weber flat top that I had and put a um, a ladle of the liquid over it just to keep it kind of moist while it's sitting there off. I didn't have that eye on on the, on the flat top. But then you take your tortilla shells, and traditionally, they're supposed to be corn. But I'm just not a I'm not a fan. huge fan of corn tortillas. I like them on enchiladas, but if they're if cooked, I, they're really good. But like by themselves, they're just like well, you and, yeah, thing, and you yeah. always have to like double them up to make a good taco because they break real easy. I guess they have so much lard in them, they fall apart. A flour tortilla will hold up. So I I go with gringo style flour. That's what they tell me. You want gringo at the <laughs> restaurant because I guess that means. People that aren't Mexican eat, eat corn tortillas most of the time. But I use the flour ones. And so you dunk them back in that warm consomme brazen liquid on both sides of the tortilla. And what that does, whatever fat that you couldn't skim off the top, it sticks to that tortilla. But you get the flavor, too, and you throw that on the flat top first. Give it a 30-second head start, and it'll start kind of bubbling up like a tortilla does. And you flip it over. That's when you load on your pulled beef cheek. And you hit it with some just good Mexican melting cheese, like counting bite Kroger, uh, shredded up. Um, fold that over into a taco, cook it on about 30, 45 seconds each side until it gets crispy. And it's got this, I don't know, that consomme kind of gives it a yellowish, brownish, you know, grilled-looking color to it. And then when you pull it off, you open it up, and the cheese is just all stringing and melted and bubbly. You load it up with some cilantro and some fresh white onion and a little bit of thin sliced radish, and you dip it in little cups of that consomme. That's how you serve it, and that's what makes it so damn good. It was that's really, a long really explanation. Good. Well, do you yeah. want to go see if we can get something for the May the Fourth and beat we, the crowd? <laughs> yeah, see, that was what I said. You know, we need to go on Thursday night, but I like this brunch idea better. 
I don't know about brunch. I'll but. have time to go to brunch tomorrow before we go out of town, so that might be perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. Y'all are going to cook a contest, yeah. right? We got to do another hog practice. So, how many hogs? That was one of my questions. Oh, is that one of yours? Yeah. This, this is taking us right into hog cooking. You had First off, congratulations. Y'all hit finals last week. Finally hit finals. This How many contests was it before you hit finals? Three. Hog? On your third one? We had two fourths, and then we went into finals in second. And, of course, my first time in finals, like I told yeah. y'all, I think I blacked out. I don't really yeah. remember what we talked about in the finals, and we come out a third yeah. over. But it's progressively getting better and better and better. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. So you got another contest this weekend. Where is it at? Uh, it's, it's in Bull, but it's right outside of Cleveland, right south of Cleveland, Mississippi. So okay. it's in down where? in the de- Bull, B-O-Y-L-E. Oh, okay. Boyle. Boyle. That's Boyle. a terrible name. Well, when you say Bull, I think B-O-Y-L. <laughs> like Bull. Yeah, it's Bull. in Bull. It, is it, yeah. I bet that's how they say it. Ain't nobody down there complaining how you say bull. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we got that. But on to your question. How many hogs have I cooked this year? Yeah. Since January 1? If you go back even further. Is it over a dozen? Yes. Over a dozen? Yeah, I think we're either right at 12 or might be 13 now. Real close. The one that you cooked with Jay in Senatobia at the hunt camp. Was that that's before not even January? No, that, yeah, that was that was after January. Okay, so that's included too. Oh yeah, it was. It was yeah, okay. it was like the second week in January. And we've already cooked two by then. Yeah, so that that one was the third one. You cooked yeah. two like New Year's, like mm-hmm. yeah, for New Year's they went up to Indiana. I forgot and, about um, that. And then reason being, we're cooking on new pit, new pit, and hog cooking's fairly new to y'all. It's definitely new to Jay on his pits. I mean, we know how to cook pork. And granted, in your mind, you're thinking you're just cooking a lot more pork. Yeah. And you, you technically are, but there's a lot more goes into cooking a hog, and it's a lot more room for error. You know, you got a lot of stuff you got to get done at the same time and, you know, have different textures, and it's it's a learning game for us, for sure. Well, I think the biggest thing is, so when we're used to cooking hogs, we've always cooked them either on a water cooker or an old hickory. Mm-hmm. So you either had dry convection heat or we've had that steam from the water pan underneath it. And that allowed us to really, you know, slow the hog down and take a real, real long time to cook it. Well, it's a whole different ball game when you go to cook it on a stick burner, which is what we're doing. But the reason being, we got to talking to Jay about how good a flavor is we get off on pork off a drum, how it's that authentic barbecue flavor. And that's that reminded me of the barbecue that I had first tasted as a kid where they were cooking it on these old smokehouses where they had the brick pits and they would cook the hogs on them and they would flip them, shovel the coals underneath them. And, and only so, putting salt on the yeah. skin. So Mark and Jay got to thinking, how could y'all come up with some way to do that for pork? And it started with one of his other pits uh, trying to figure it out for butts, wasn't it, right. for KCBS contest. So it kind of goes back to what you said. You know, I always, I've always wanted a to cook on a cinder block pit. But I don't want to build a cinder block pit in my backyard and have to do something with it. or And there's no taking it anywhere. Yeah, like it is what it is. So years ago when we all started talking about this, we were just looking for that same style pit, but something that we can either put on a cart, you know, roll it in the garage out of the way or put it in storage or have something you can move and take with you. And that idea snowballed from one thing to the next to the next to the next. And the first one we cooked on was at Jay's. I think it was, it might have been 4th of July or sometime a couple of years back. But it was similar to kind of what the hog pit is now, kind of the same idea, but we wasn't sure how to maintain the fire underneath the hog and control the temp and like still have all that fire underneath the hog, but still run 300, 325 degrees without it getting away from you. Yeah. And the first pit, 
it would get away from you. I mean, we we cook butts on it and just to see what it would do and to get the airflow down, to get the airflow out, all that all that stuff that you have to do with any new pit. It's the airflow is completely different on this pit. Um, it does some crazy things that until you start cooking on it and kind of seeing what it does, you really don't think about it. Like last weekend, the hog we cooked was a little bit bigger than what we normally do, and it was a little bit too big for the pit. So the pit was full, and to see with you know that much airflow being blocked off, what the heat from underneath the hog was doing, you could see it plain as day, and like the heat completely moved, like it went to the other end of the pit, even though it never done that before. So it was cool to see that and learn that. Now we know. So now we know what we can get away with with that size hog and our smaller hog and stuff like that. But it's been a learning process, no doubt. A, a long learning process, to say the least. So do you think it cooks a better hog than, say, like a water cooker or RO hickory even or something like that? Do you think, I mean, just from what you've tried, would you say? I like it better. Um, I'm not going to say it cooks a better hog because, I mean, it cooks a dang good hog, but it's a different hog. It's yeah. a different flavor profile. I mean, we've cooked on water cookers. We've cooked on old hickory, and they all turn out a phenomenal product. I mean, you still have to learn that pit yeah. regardless. You know, they're not set it and forget it. You're still learning and running that pit. But, man, I love the flavor on this one. And it's unique, and it and it takes you back to a more of an eaten hog. Yeah. Now, like, I've had hogs off water cookers, and – Really, I mean, especially if you're cooking a running style, it's hard to get flavor in in that pig. Well, it's, it, it's you got to put it in there. You have to put it in you're there. You're not getting it from the, the, the and pit. A, and a lot of times, it's just a really good roasted pork flavor. Yes. It's not like a – to me, I don't pick up on crazy smoke. I don't pick up on any kind of flavor. Or other, yeah, whatever you put yeah. in it is what you taste. With you're it. tasting the salt and the sugars you inject and all those rubs and stuff you put on the outside. And it's good pork. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when championships every weekend. I mean, that's great pork. But this is fun, and this is a flavor. I promise you, and I've done it to y'all, I can pull a piece of bark off that shoulder and give it to you, and you close your eyes, and it's the most tender pork steak you've ever ate off a charcoal grill. Yeah. That's I mean, it what, tastes like a grilled pork chop. See, that's the biggest thing to me when I taste like – I'm not talking about any of the meat. That's close to the top where you actually do get the smoke and the seasonings from it. Deep down in it, you get that old school pit flavor from the meat that's like down in the shank or that's down, you know, even though like you're keeping the injection simple and it. mm-hmm. it's not a whole lot of stuff in the injection. You're not shooting it up because we don't want. I don't think you need all you that flavor. Well, when the way you're, you're cooking so it, we don't need that much grill. moisture. Yeah. Yeah, these hogs have the marbling, the fattiness. They just need some flavor put to them. So you're not have you're, you're actually it makes it easier on flavoring it to get it from your charcoal and your smoke and all the, you know, the pit itself than having to fudge the or try to make up for lot, lot, lack of flavor is what I think. What we noticed last week, and you know, we're the biggest thing for us to learn is how to when it comes to cooking hog is the process of finishing it. You know, what you do to get the product from the hog to the box what cuts goes in the box how to pull the good stuff that's what we've been learning and figuring out yeah competition competition style not how to make it taste no not how to make it taste good that was easy last weekend and i'll put my hand on the bible i'll tell everybody this and it's 100 percent truth we did not doctor that hog one bit it went from the hog went through just a little bit of glaze sauce just to make it have some color and it went in the box and we tinned out in taste you weren't. Ha- that's pretty you awesome. The, you let the hog shine. It yeah. was. It was yeah. no finishing rubs. It was no salts at the end. No it butter dip. No butter dip. It was strictly pork base hog in the box. Kept it simple. And I took a bite and I told Jamie, I was like, it don't. 
I was like, I'm scared if we put something on it, it's going to be too much. Like, yeah. it don't need nothing. Yeah. It'll yeah. fight it. Yeah. And I was like, let's put it in a box, send it, see what happens. And, I mean, it paid off. Now, granted, we got to get better about pulling and presenting. Like, that is something that is, that's an art to it. Um, was I nervous? Yes. I was very nervous. <laughs> was Jamie nervous? Yes. Now, was that one of those mangling hogs, or is that one of the That was home from place, Home Place Pastures. Home Place? Yeah. yeah. It's a Durant Cross. Durant Cross, yeah. yeah. And it's a good hog. I mean, it's local. I love supporting local, and it's easy. I can call them on Monday, say, "Hey, I need a hog." I pick it up on Thursday. Yeah. It's good to go. So it's now, been fun. From Memphis, we got some special hogs. So we got some of those mangalines that I'm anxious to see them because these have been fed out a lot longer than what we practice cook with. Yeah. So they got another hundred days of barley. Wow. Is it going to be a heavier pig? Nope. A bigger pig? Not, so they're just controlling the diet of what they eat. They're controlling the diet and. What we didn't realize, and I don't know if I, – I talked to Daniel with BFR several times. What they didn't realize is the they always figure 25 to 30% loss when they dress a hulk out. So from hoof weight to what the weight you pay for when you cook it, they always figure that loss for everything from, you know, intestines to, you know, all the organs they remove, cleaning it up, da-da-da-da-da. 30% is what? Is 25 what to 30. Really? I figured That's what that. you lose with – Guts, guts, and all. Talk about on yeah. the hoof, versus, on the hoof versus hanging away. Yeah. yeah, these are only like ten to fifteen. That's what they lose is percentage wise, ten to fifteen percentage. So I don't understand. How? How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> that seems like I don't understand, but I will say when we got those hogs, I've never seen that much, like the good fat, like in like around the yeah, ribs, yeah. and yeah. that fat that melts really good. I've never seen that much in hog. I mean, it was it was crazy. The good lard. The good lard, lard. yes. You could throw this in a skillet and render it, and, I mean, it was just pretty white. I mean, pretty fat. What's the difference between good lard and bad lard? I mean, when you get some fat, like on a domestic hog, that's not necessarily, I mean. Yeah, it doesn't have the flavor. It doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same flavor. It's, I mean, they've got fat, but they've bred, it's not intermuscular lard. It's not, you know. Right. Good. It's not in the loin. Kidney fat lard. You know what I'm talking about? That's, that's what you want. What I always try to do and can tell is to me, good fat should crumble just like blue cheese. Yeah, it's flaky. It should be dry. So you can literally grab it and it'll crumble in your hand. And you can mold it, whereas the fat that's not going to render, the fat that's not going to produce any flavor, is slimy. Yeah. And it's kind of wet and tacky. It don't really, it, it's not going to render. That dry fat, you can put it on a 100-degree pit, you know. It's starting to melt. It's yeah. starting to melt in your hand. You put it out yeah. in the sunlight, it'll hold, start melting. Hold it in your hand. Like butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been... We've learned a lot and still learning. And that's what I told a guy last weekend. I was like, I'm not saying that we know everything because we don't, but I'm having fun doing it. You know, yeah. And yeah. we're chasing something and it's just, we're enjoying it. And it's good. It's something different. It's a change of pace from what we were cooking all the time, you know. And it's almost easier. I mean, have, really. Have you yeah. joined uh, my club where the whole hog is, is my favorite thing to cook? Would you say that honestly? I think it is, but I'm tired of cooking them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get you. We still got a few. We got a week to go. break. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's been busy. And you don't have a week break. You're going to cook a hog this weekend down in Bull, <laughs> and then next weekend you got to load the trailer. Load in, in but I ain't cooking a hog next yeah. weekend. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you tell me to. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then I will. No, it's it's. <laughs> you get a weekend off. We got to get the pits shined up. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> we got to clean some pits. But it's so after so you've been cooking these hogs. What's the cleanup process like on these yeah. pits after you 
render all that fat in them? How bad is it? So Once you learn, I feel like it's not as hard as the first they. one. So the first hog pit, H A W G hog pit, is kind of the prototype. It has a different fire rack underneath the hog, so it's got drip pans. So once you pull the charcoal grate out, you let the pit cool. You just take a flat bladed hoe, rake it up, and I mean you can have it clean in ten minutes. It's yeah. fairly easy. Yeah. Uh, the new pit has a taller like charcoal basket in. You slide it all the way out, and it's just a smooth surface. Same thing. You just let that fat kind of congeal. Take your little shovel and hoe, and shoop, clean to go. Wipe it out. You're good to go. So you're not having to wash it, pressure wash. It I haven't put a pressure washer in it yet. Mm-hmm. Now I'm probably all- gonna I'm probably gonna wash them before Memphis because. They're already seasoned, though, right? They're seasoned. I guarantee you they seasoned. Isn't that a good thing? Oh, yeah. I just want to get all the grease out of the bottom. I'm not yeah, worried about yeah, the top. Yeah, like, we're yeah. not going to wash the top. I just want to I want to have a clean slate when we go to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want, you don't want any standing grease in it because mm-hmm. that, that'll go rancid, and then when you heat it back up, you can get some of that off smell. You definitely don't want that. And it's, it's an easy pit to run. I mean, it's – we've got it now to figure it out to where – we're literally shoveling coal, and like last weekend, I might have put two scoops of coal underneath that hog for the entire cook. I so mean, what are, what are we starting? Like you starting the pit just the same old way, charcoal basket in the base, mm-hmm. and get a bed of hot coals, and then switch into hickory, straight hickory, running hickory, and then we run some supplements just for flavor, but that's not the main heat. The hickory right. is the main heat. We, man, I noticed cooking on the stick burners. I mean, I love the way cherry and pecan smells on a stick burner, but they do not maintain a coal bed. They go to ash. They go yeah. quick. Whereas if you get some good hickory, especially like some center cut, it'll keep coal in there no problem. I mean, you might do a split an hour, if that. And, I mean, you open it up and you got a coal bed, I mean, that's the size of a full-size steam pan, a coal bed that's maintaining, yeah. and you never have to add charcoal back to it. You know, it keeps that coal bed going. So underneath the hog, are you just running coals from that fire? From that fire. Picking that basket up and moving it underneath the hog? So that's how we start it. And then once I get a good coal bed under the hog, same thing. That hickory coal bed stays in there. We just scoop briquettes or lump or whatever. I'll have me a little tote right there. Pre-lit or no, not unlit? No, oh, really? And you just, I rake it all to one side of that fire basket and I put me a row unlit and I let it feed. Just like we're running an old backwoods mm-hmm. basket. Same way. And just letting it soldier forward. And then I'll start everything out from under the hog, and then about two to three hours in, I gradually step those coals out from under that hog and just use residual heat on the bottom. Because at, at one point, you're done adding all you're going to add. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because really that's for flavor on this pit. We're wanting that hog to render. We're wanting that fat to drip. We're wanting it to hit those coals. And as it mixes with the other heat and the airflow from the exhaust drawing it through that pit, it's circling that hog, and you're getting that flavor in the meat. We had a we had a guy come down. I guess it was about seven thirty, seven thirty last Saturday morning, and he's like, "Man, how's the hog looking?" I said, "Well, I said we're we're a few degrees behind." I said, "This hog was a little bit bigger than we're used to, so our schedule was a little bit behind." I was like, "But you know, it's getting close. We're ready to rest, for, you know, for an hour or two before we start, you know, getting ready for the box." I said, "We we're putting a fire to it right now," and he's like, "Man, I thought y'all had y'all's foot on the gas all night. I watched you, you know. Of course, <laughs> when you all that you know how a drum does when it's dripping on the coals." It looks like it's smoking oh, heavy, yeah. but it's really not, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. He's like, man, I thought y'all were rolling all night. I said, well, we cooked pretty good. You know, it had a good night. I got a little rest, and I said, well, we, we got the pedal down right now. But I said, we're going to ease up and let it rest for about an hour, though. So on these pits, how often are you having to add a new stick of hickory or add some coals underneath? Are you getting a couple-hour burn out of them, or is it every 45 minutes? Like About every hour to hour and a half. You need to be – so you got to run – you need to – you need somebody to run the fire and swap right. out and keep them fresh because 
usually the first two hours you burn a little bit more just because that hog's so cool. It hadn't come up to temp good yet. But once you wrap, it's it's locked in. Yeah. I never touch the damper. I never. I mean, I don't. There's You're not no, fighting it. Not, You're not fighting, fighting it wind or whatever. I set me alarm for about every hour, and I go out there, put a stick in, and I go back and lay down, and I make sure ain't nothing getting away from us, you know. Because I mean, you are running a live fire under this hog, so you do got to be mindful of grease dripping on coals, the potential it could do. Yeah. And but we've had no hiccups, and with the vents in the door now on the fire below the hog, we can really control that fire below that hog really, really well. How how, how big a fire do you think that is? Is there flames in it? When we start out, yes, because yeah. I, I cover the whole bottom of that rack with lit coal when the hog goes in. So the hog goes into a hot box. It's all completely you know hitting the bottom of that skin. We're getting as much underneath that hog as we can because we want that hog to start dripping as soon as we can get it. You want to render fat? Right. Almost, it ain't going to do it immediately, but it's going to be quick. I want to do it within 30 minutes. Really? It's already dripping within 30? So the edges of your shoulders and everything, especially up on the front, kind of where – I guess you'd say the brisket portion and the front half of that starts dripping pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And you get most of your drippings from your shoulder and some of the belly. You don't get much from the ham because, I mean, the ham's so lean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you talk about rest. I mean, we talk about you got to rest everything from steaks to briskets to – but how do you rest a whole hog, you know, and how important is that? It, so it's important. It is tricky resting on this pit because – you have to be mindful of the coals underneath. Just like you're cooking on your drum, if you take the lid off that drum and walk away, it's gonna it's gonna get to rolling. Yeah. So what I usually do once I get to say the shoulders are in the one eighty five, one ninety, and it's coming on up to the tent we're wanting, I start pulling coals off from that hog. Like and slowly. I, slowly. Yeah. And I transfer those coals to the firebox. So that's a great thing about the design on this pit. It's easy to if you need if it was getting away from you, you just jerk them out. You can put them in the firebox, and I can shut that pit down. Yeah. Like, I can stop the heat from going from the firebox to the cook chamber. You just close the vents, and it it's no problem. I can run that pit at 170 degrees. I can go from our cooking temp, 300 plus, to 170 degrees in just a few minutes. And just open a couple of doors, let it cool off, and then set the vents, close the doors. So, like, last week, that's exactly what I did. I pulled everything out, put the coal, put all the fire in the normal offset firebox, and just let it kind of just settle down. And then I'd put some little splits on there about every hour, and it would run 170, 180, and we're just holding it right there in that temp, you know. So that's how you rest it. You just pull the heat from it and let it just kind of slow down. Slow down and just really you don't want to move a lot of air across that hog at that point because it's resting. You have a lot of moisture under that foil. A lot of the moisture's come to the top. The belly's full of moisture. I want to keep all that moisture on there. And I don't it's want, hot. And it's hot. I don't want that airflow running across it, pulling moisture off of it. So I want the airflow to slow down. So what happens during that rest that it, it'll hopefully absorb that liquid back? It's going yes and no. The biggest thing I notice in a rest, and I've told I've told you all this, and we've talked about this before, is if you're when we're going in there building that box. This this goes back to me at KCBS when I'm building a box. I don't want to see steam come out of that mm-hmm. product while I'm working with it because that's moisture leaving. So I want that hog to slow down enough to where. It's down around 170 in the shoulder, 165. And then when you break into that shoulder or you pull that loin out, you don't see steam leaving. So I want it to calm down enough to where that hog will quit steaming under that foil. And then to me, everything's went back to where it's supposed to. It's calmed down because just like I said, like if you take a pork butt straight off a pellet grill and break into it, steam's going out yeah. and everything on that surface dries out instantly. 15, 15 minutes later, it's yeah, dries it's a bone. Dries a bone. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I've never thought of it that way, but if you're pulling something – and it if it's coming, steaming, that's that's all your work leaving. Your moisture. You know? 
And so the deal with it is the moisture is being pushed out of that meat. That's that cooking process. Yeah. It's closer to the surface. Well, that rest lets it cool off, lets it calm down, and it doesn't soak it back in like a sponge, like you're thinking it pulled moisture in, but it cools off enough to where that moisture is not ready to turn into steam. Right. And it goes back into those muscle fibers that you've got tender, and that's what keeps it moist. It's definitely a, a visual. That's something else I taught, you know, Everybody thinks like all these injections, you're putting liquid in there and you're trying to cook that liquid off at the same time. The biggest key for us with injection is we're trying to put flavor in there. We're trying to put salt in that hole. We're not really worried about the moisture aspect because you're getting, most of your moisture should come from the marbling, the fat. But still though, what little bit of moisture and steam's in there, that's a mouthfeel thing. So if you can keep it in there, you can tell, you know, it's not just strictly just fat moisture at that point. You're actually, you know, keeping some of it in there under the bark and under the surface of that meat. And it makes it juicy. Makes it juicier. Well, let me ask y'all this. Let's say I said, okay, we got a challenge. There's a brick pit, brick pit out back. Could y'all cook a hog on it? Oh, yeah. With my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> All day. I mean, I've, I've been a part of several of those. And it's, I mean, that's like when we talk about cooking hogs, that's what's fun. I mean, you've got to get crews like Mark's talking about. You're, you've usually got a burn barrel burning a fire. You've got to shovel those coals, put them under the hog. Somebody's got to stay with it around the clock. And so that's the challenge no of it. Now, could you do it by yourself? You'd be more smooth out yeah. from running a hog because you're looking at 20-plus hours of shoveling, built, keeping a fire going, getting that hog right. you got to flip them halfway because it doesn't get any top heat. Right. It's only getting bottom heat. So most of the time with those – they start that hog out, belly down, halfway through, they'll flip it over to get the skin right and finish it up. And so we're, we kind of, and that's the great thing about Jay's pit, is we skip that step. You got to flip You it. don't have to flip it because you're cooking from the top and the bottom with these, the way the charcoal goes, the way the, uh, I'm going to call them flavor baskets. <laughs> the way the flavor baskets work, they provide heat and flavor from the bottom. And two, I've never seen a pit move this much air during, like when you have it, when you have it running 325, it's, I mean, the exhaust, you could, it'd blow a whistle. You could put a whistle over top of it, it'd blow it. I mean, it is moving some air. What's and the benefit to the, you're that keeping, much air moving? In my opinion, you're keeping fresh smoke, fresh air. You're, you're constantly moving the air through the chamber. There's no chance that even, and you've seen this, like we've thought we're running this stick burner dirty. You're not. Like, I've run an outlaw dirty in my mind thinking it's dirty, and you never notice it. Like, you never see the color change. You never see the flavor change. Like, I think you you just about have to run some of these pits a smidge dirtier than, than what you get told. Because if you're like, oh, you got to have that thin blue smoke, you can't taste nothing. It's like these, yeah. neutral. A yeah. stick burner run like right. Will, yeah, yeah. Will run cl- it'll run cleaner than a pellet grill. Yeah. It'll but, I mean, run the as, flavors yeah. like a pellet grill. You don't have the... So I think a lot of times just moving a lot of air, even if you do have a few minutes where maybe that stick didn't light as quick, that smoke's already out of the pit before it can do anything anyway. Like yeah, your dirty smoke's already moved across. Who cares? Don't worry about it. You know, it's moving so much air that, I mean, you got a larger window to run greener wood or to run whatever goes wrong. You know, if you put some charcoal in it, it runs dirty for a minute. It don't matter. That smoke's already gone. In two minutes, it's it's running clean and it's gone. Explain running dirty to me. It's thick, <laughs> thicker white smoke. And usually that comes from higher moisture in than the wood you're burning. To me, that's dirty. Where people say it's dirty because it's not getting enough oxygen to burn com- to combust properly. 
So it's doing more smoldering and smoking than it is flaming. That's probably the easiest way I can explain it. Uh, what do you think? So you have, <laughs> it's, that's a loaded question. It is. So you have what I call hot dirty, which is when your wood's too dry, which you don't notice this on a pit that does not draw. So if you have, you know, a char grill or something that, you know, doesn't have a huge exhaust stack, doesn't draw air really fast, it'll run fine on those super dry sticks. But if you have a pit that has an insulated firebox that draws air like crazy, that's literally like a vacuum chamber, it's pulling so much air, you have so much heat built in that firebox that if you put something in it that dry, it ignites. I've seen them ignite before they even got to the coals. Like, boom, just light up. And you'll have a real, real bright orange flame almost. And it does, like, little. it burns so hot that it's it's not enough oxygen. It's just, it's basically turning straight BTUs. And it'll leave these little heat monkeys, I guess you'd call it soot monkeys. That's hot, dirty. And then you got cold, dirty, which is like you're saying, hey, you don't have a big enough coal bed to burn that wood efficiently or the wood's too wet. Or the oxygen is restricted. Or the oxygen is restricted. <clears throat> so you have two types of dirty fires, in my opinion. I like running wetter wood in Outlaw because the firebox is so hot. I mean, it can handle the coal bed so big, it can handle it. If I was running an uninsulated pit, then, yeah, you can get away with drier wood. And I've told a lot of people this is, like, say, if you do have a pit that's running hot, dirty, all you got to do is open your firebox door and let cold air mix in that firebox and cool that firebox off you're not going to notice a temperature difference in your cooking chamber, but you're just going to cool that firebox off. That's the reason these Texas pits that Come run on. with the firebox wide open, they yeah. run so good is because it's mixing all that outside cool air with their hot fire, and by the time it goes in the cook chamber, it's perfect. So that's what you got to watch for. Learning your pit. Learning your pit. Yep. Learning your pit. It's a never-ending thing. Yeah. And conditions change, too, by the air temperature, the humidity in it, yep. reason, all that. You look, if a contest gets rain, a stick burner is going to do really well because stick burners love rain because it's pulling that moisture and that humidity through that fire and in your cook chamber. We always do good when it rains. I love it when it rains at a contest. That's like my – I love <laughs> you it. excited? Yes. Give me some rain. What what pits do not do good in rain, y'all? That open brick pit we're shoveling coal under. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something uninsulated that you got to pour the fire to. And two, pits have come such a long ways. Like, yeah. like you walk around a contest now and look at these pits. I mean, everybody's cooking on something insulated, most likely, or drums. And drums are so forgiving. I mean, they don't they don't care what temperature it is outside. I mean, they don't care yeah. if it rains or not, you know. The only time I've seen a drum act up is if, you know, they have the vents on the side and wind can blow right in it. You yeah. know, that's the only thing yeah. you really got to watch. But cooking now is not what cooking 20 years ago was. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of engineering that's going into these pits nowadays. A lot. So what about when y'all were cooking in that storm a few weeks back and you noticed the barometric change? It wasn't a storm. It was a a tornado. tornado. (laughs) So what did that do to y'all? So uh, I wish I was smarter so I could tell you exactly. (laughs) But so we was at a contest Friday night. A tornado literally come two miles from the contest. Um, Big storm come through. Temperature dropped, but we was running the same exact fire we always run. And I know exactly what temperature that would give us, like to the T. And we were anywhere from 75 to 100 degrees down on the dial, but the fire was the same size. And we could not figure it out. And our hog was took two hours longer 
And the only thing we figured, everybody I talked to that was cooking on a pit that drafted naturally, that was not using a forced induction like a fan, they all had the same things. Like, we're running the same size fire, but the temperature's not there. And you think it was from the air pressure? It was one of them bare meter yeah, pressures yeah. or something. Yeah. It was something changing the atmosphere. Yeah. And I've seen it happen one other time to where, as a matter of fact, we was cooking a rib contest up at ten, the 10th inning. And every, both all the stick burners were running the same tent, but it just seemed like the cook was slower. And I talked to Jay on the way home. He said, I had 15 to 20 people call me across the nation with the same exact you know, theory. And this, after after a major front, a major front, front come through, through, and everybody's like, "Man, every, you know, my temperature is right where it's supposed to be, but my cook's thirty minutes later or my, an hour later." Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "We had multiple people call, and I'm talking about anywhere from Georgia to Arizona to South Dakota, like across the nation." He had all these phone calls come in with the same exact, you know, situation Experience. going on in the pit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so there's a lot of things that are way above my pay grade and education <laughs> that goes on in the cook, and way above your control too. Yeah. 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 But that's when it's nice to have a good stick burner, and you just open that exhaust up and let it let breathe. It roll, yep. yeah. And she'll well, do. You, and, and the, from experience, you know, to look for that next time if you're cooking under those yeah. conditions, very like, hey, we're about to speed this up a little. You know, like when we cooked in Galax, first time ever cooking at elevation. And al- altitude does altitude definitely has an effect. No, and when our brisket usually goes well above two hundred seven, she stopped at two hundred seven, and she wasn't going no further. We learned that cooking hogs up at what well, we were at nine thousand feet up there in, in south, south dakota. dakota yeah yeah and it took it was taking us where we were cooking we were used to cooking a 18 to 20 hour hog we were cooking a 26 hour hog up there it just never would it never would break that um you know that where you get that stall point <laughs> and y'all were cooking for because, like a meal oh like yeah people yeah. were showing up and y'all <laughs> it, was, like, it was <laughs> very very nerve-wracking that we were going to get this hog done and y'all thought y'all were like we got plenty of way time ahead. yeah but it just never would break because altitude did something to the way the evaporative uh cooling was working on the meat where it wasn't letting it it wouldn't let that moisture go it just would not let it go no matter how you've had it wrapped up pouring the heat to it didn't matter and finally we just figured out it takes time but if you think about it why do they put those altitude directions on the back of cake mixes yeah. and things like that? It changes. Altitude changes you. So we learned that we just have to give extra time. There's no and, and pull the injection back. Right. You don't need to add extra moisture if you're cooking in certain conditions. Like altitude, especially, you want less moisture because I mean the meat's still got the moisture in it. You just you add a bunch extra, it's gonna take you a lot longer to cook it out. What we've been doing since then, which I've done it on the last four hogs is we document the temperature of the pit and the temperature of the whole shoulder, ham, loin every 30 minutes. And we keep documenting. i got a notebook of every cook since then done it. And on average, we do a degree every three minutes is our – when I know I see that, like, okay, we're Coming on, we're on schedule, everything's a good. A degree every three minutes. Every three minutes. Now you're talking about keeping Through the, the entire cook? It slows down a little bit once it hits about 170, but not a lot. That's your stall, mm-hmm. 170? 170. And you'll see it. I mean, it's it's neat to watch because every hog does it identically. Like, you have a trend there. Like, you'll watch your loin. Your loin will stay back for a long time. Shoulder hams will get ahead of it. And then once the shoulder hams get up around 180, that loin starts coming on in. And you can watch it. I mean, it's, it's does neat. Does it speed up when it comes mm-hmm. in? Yeah, it'll speed on up. But the toka hog was a degree every nine minutes. So that's how much slower it was. So it was a, a third. Yeah. Or three times yeah, as slow. Yeah, three times as slow. And right. that's when the pressure changed? Mm-hmm. That's the hog? That's when the pressure changed in the atmosphere and yeah. on me because I was like, crap, we ain't going to get this thing done. <laughs> yeah. 
And you were, were you fireballing it at that point? Yeah, hey, we were pushing pretty hard. Yeah. But that's something else is like when you, yes, you want that hog to be perfect when you go to pull it and build your box. But what I've learned is that's a big animal. You can find some good bites on it. You know, that's what you, I like about the hog. You can There's always. There's some places on it that's good. When you're cooking a rib, if your rib's tight, guess what? That rib's freaking tight. Or you're cooking a shoulder by itself. That shoulder's tight. That whole shoulder's tight. With the hog, you got to. with a lot more. You, you can find some good if stuff. If you know where to go get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where do you go get it? Uh, so off the hog. <laughs> Around the eyes. Yeah. The tail. That rooter and tutor. <laughs> that's the best place. Nose meat. That's what you want to put in there, the nose meat. <laughs> the best part. I just love it. <laughs> but we've, we, like I said earlier, we've learned a lot. I was glad to have some judges come back after finals and talk to us and, you know, tell us what they did like and what we could work on. And that's, mm-hmm. that means a lot, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the first time you know going home what to work on for the next one. Yep. Whereas if you don't have that judge come back or you don't have that comment card telling you exactly, you're kind of guessing. You know? Yeah. I always like that about cooking MBN. And, and especially starting out, getting that feedback is crucial when you're starting out and when you're trying to figure things out. Now, if you've got, if you know you're doing pretty good, you're on the right track. Like, I mean, you're getting to the point where y'all are right there with that hog. So you don't have to do, you don't have to get as much feedback from it every mm-hmm. time. But it helps from a new team, especially to talk to those judges. And you don't get that in a lot of sanctioning groups. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's why I like, that's why I always like that Memphis and May style. Because not only are you putting in a blind box, you're getting to talk to that judge, present it to them how you cooked it, and then hopefully a good judge will come back and be honest with you, not just you know tell you oh it's great. I mean you want you want the constructive. What right. was wrong with it? What do you think I could do better? I've been a few times where you've not liked what they had. Well, at the time, <laughs> I don't want it, but when I have t- I, when I have time to sit back, oh yeah, no, you got to eat crow sitting there. You know, a lot of oh, times. Yeah. You done blowed a lot of smoke to them, and then they come back and they tell you what's wrong, and you're trying to have a smile. And we tried yeah. to fool you. Yeah, yeah we they, tried. That's yeah. all you can say, you know. And most I of the time, I I know, you know, all yeah, three judges that come back say. all had a very like minded opinion, which I I I lost which, the heart. Then you know, and I agreed with real. you. You know, yeah. I knew our loin was our strongest thing going last weekend. Like I knew our loin was money. I knew the ham was right there with it, and I knew our shoulder was the weak point. And I, I much rather have that because I know we can correct the shoulder. I mean, most most people struggle with the ham and loin, and I'm glad that we had that there, and we just get the shoulder where we want it. And again, that goes back to this was a 175 pound hog. We're used to cooking 140, so that was a learning curve we had to kind of adapt and overcome in the moment. What's the sweet spot for you on weight? If I could just tell you, if it's a Carolina hog, 140. If it's a if it's Mississippi a hog, Mississippi hog, I'd, I'd like 150 or a little bit yeah. bigger. The Carolina hogs have such a big loin on them that you get that big loin, and it's easier to slow it down. Whereas a lot of time these other hogs, like they're a great hog, but the loin isn't a big, so you got to go a few more extra steps to make sure to like insulate that loin. Yeah, slow that breed. loin. Yeah, yeah. Is that a breed thing? I don't. I'm or assuming. A, yeah. Because I mean, this is still a duroc. It's just a it's a pasture raised free grazing duroc. So I don't know. That probably has more to do with it when they're food, so they're their diet mm-hmm. on the size of them. Because I mean, like, well, just that tells me that on the size of the loins, because they breed these hogs for loin size. If you're getting a smaller one, it's you know it's probably had more exercise. It didn't have time to develop these other hogs. They just probably blasted them with food. Right. They're getting them there as quick as they can and feeding them a really good diet. But it's 
making their loins grow bigger because they're, they're genetically controlling how they're doing these hogs. Yeah. You know, by, I mean, not, not by like giving them medications and things like that, but they're doing it through diet, through their activity, breeding, through breeding, yeah. all that stuff and selecting the sizes they want. So, I mean, that, that big loin hog is probably not the one they want at the grocery store. Mm-mm. They want, you know, the long ones of a certain average size. They don't the want the loins are almost too big. But really? it's it's easy to I mean it's a lot easier to cook. Is it a squattier hog? Yeah. Not as long? Mm, it's not as long. It's a little short. Stubby. Yeah. Like a fire hydrant hog. <laughs> Mr. Chubb. <laughs> uh aside from hog, uh are we ready for everything else that we're cooking at Memphis and May? Yeah. I mean, Mark, you you're taking on beef this year, right? Besides Doing hey, we're Mark's gonna, kind of doing <laughs> yeah. we're uh, he's, he's doing the the beef and the hog yeah yeah beef and hog and we'll do poultry I mean, hog is is a is a whole thing it's a I mean you got to have several people there yeah. yeah we'll have some good help with that we got Jay coming down Alex coming down um I'm sure Jamie and everybody else you know we'll all be there Brian, and yeah. Brian we'll Mikey will be there Mikey will be there we'll kind of have it staged to where hopefully. Me and Jay can get the hogs on and get everything cruising and then let y'all get some sleep in about six thirty, seven o'clock. You know, that morning we'll be ready to wrap and all that good stuff. So But we're doing beef, chicken, wings, turkey, exotic seafood. And seafood. seafood. I'm, I'm, I'm going back for my first place poultry again. Oh, you're doing chicken too? Yeah. Okay. Well, you okay. can't not do chicken after uh, you get first yeah, place last right, year right. with yeah. the perfect score. So you're doing beef and chicken. Yeah. Are you, are you cooking it all in that long? Yeah. Every every bit of it will be. Are you doing the same chicken? Or are you doing legs? Or I'm doing the wings? same chicken. I ain't saying I'm doing yeah. the same the same it's box that won it last year. Guess yeah. what? We're turning in again. Turning it again this year. Nothing wrong with that. I'm gonna not confuse them on the beef this year though. They just gonna get some good brisket. Yeah. But last year we did brisket and ribeye or fillet. Yeah, eight nine fillets and eight nine brisket in the same box and it's like yeah. a flight. <laughs> It was like no beef. Yeah, I've always had believed that you give judges too many options. They, they just, they don't know what to do. Yeah. like they don't know what to do with their hands. That was two of the best pieces of beef I've ever ate. I, last believe. Year. I wish you could have, yeah. if you could have told them that this yes. is fillet, this is brisket, because they might have thought, man, he cooked that one that good, but he overcooked the crap. <laughs> yeah, out exactly. One. That's like, pass well done. <laughs> and see, in my mind, <laughs> I was falling apart. You know? I was like, we're going to give them both ends of the spectrum. We'll give them perfect medium rare fillet, and then we're going to get them perfectly cooked brisket and let them try all, everything beef. Get yeah. it all. Yeah. yeah. Most it, of those judges don't know as much about barbecue as they probably should. Yeah. You know? It backfired. Especially ancillaries. Yeah, especially ancillaries. But I'm going to be honest, after last year, I hope, you know, everybody always says ancillaries is the curse of death. Oh, if you do good, oh, you don't want to do yeah. good. Nancy I really Larry's? don't even want to hear our name call, Nancy Yeah, I kind of want that Saturday name call more than I do the Friday. The others. Friday was fun, but the whole time I'm thinking this is not going to be good. Yeah, tomorrow. you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, you do, if you go up on stage two or three times on Friday, that you're probably not going on Saturday. <laughs> mm. It's just how it goes. I don't know why. It's like you why. use up all your luck on one day or yeah. something. Yeah. I don't even know if we might not even cook nothing. Turning, we're just going to save it all. <laughs> just, just finish last and all of them. Man, we had a horrible contest. <laughs> It was fun, and I'm glad we did get to walk stage some, and it was cool experiences for especially like first timers. You know, Alex yeah. never been there, and that was cool for him to get up there and yeah. be a part of that. It. Was Russell's Michael's first, there, the right, too, right, yeah. uh, the right. They never. I think that was their. They've been to Memphis and May before, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah, they. But the, those, yeah. that was the first time on stage. I first think. time on stage. Yeah. No, he went up with uh, Waylon. Oh yeah, he did go with Waylon the year before. Year before. Pandemic year, wasn't it? Yeah. Or at, first year after pandemic. The first year, the last year was on yeah. the river. Yeah, that's right. 
that was the year they had it at like 10 o'clock it was at night. Late. Yeah. Because I was what like, you coming back? And I was like, no. Top 10. What was that for? Was that, it was top ribs. 10 ribs? We got, yes. Yeah, six yeah. place ribs. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I'll do better than that hog this year. I hope so. You never know. You shooting for top 10? Shooting for finals? What are you shooting for? I mean, I'm not going up there. I'm going up there for finals. I mean, I'm not going up there to get a haircut. So (laughs) we're going up there to cook. That's right. But you never know. I mean, it's a lot of luck goes in that contest. A lot lot of luck. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of skill. How many does this make for us? Uh, This is 20. 20? Is it 20? Didn't didn't y'all's first year in pro? 2006 is when we won the backyard. Okay, well, it ain't 20 then. I thought it was 2003. 2007 would have been our first year professional. So however that is. This is 10 years for me. Wow. I started, no, this would be nine years. Nine years. At Memphis and May? Yeah, cause we started in 14 with y'all. Holy smokes, Mark. That's when you smooth just left me and Jamie up there. We've never cooked a shoulder a day in our life. And Mike was like, see y'all in the morning. <laughs> that <laughs> hey, sounds about right. You got to learn to swim. And I was like, in. in the morning? What? <laughs> I ain't never even cooked a shoulder. Like, what am I supposed to do? That pit, that pill, Miss Betty, she will cook it herself. Yeah, you just you, turn her feed her twenty bags of charcoal that night. <laughs> Mine was like, keep it at two fifty. I'm back there, look like a coal miner, just shoveling, <laughs> trying to keep this pit going. And then that's the first year we cooked Duroc. Well, hey, what we do that year? Fifth. <laughs> You're welcome. No, that is my horror story. Everybody's like, what's your love-hate relationship? It's that story right there. I thought it was the time we did the class that had the crazy uh, timeline. No, because uh, that didn't matter. Like, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. There was I'm no. that the one Waylon left? No. Quit the team? Uh-uh. <laughs> this was the one oh. you left. Oh, was I supposed to be the night man? No, you didn't tell oh, us. So, what did you think I was going to stay? <laughs> Me and Jamie didn't even know we were the night man. That my, sounds about right. Mom was like, all right, we'll see y'all in the morning. I was like, who's staying? He's like, y'all are. And I was like, uh. <laughs> are you oh, yeah, by the you way, you're the night Yes. People. If you're new, you're supposed to know you're the night people. So then. You can't come in and be the lead dog. We got to we gotta get all this Mark's story out. Mark's worked a long way to be the lead dog. <laughs> so y'all leave. <laughs> Nobody's there. We're supposed to wrap shoulders or whatever. So me and Jay, well, I can't believe this. Were they, this you, was the year they were people were just coming up, opening up the. Yes, that's the pictures. first year. I didn't know who Eddie was. He didn't know any of the rest of the people on the team. So I hear somebody shaking the trailer. I get up and this guy's got the freaking pit open. And I was like, they're the? taking pictures. I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, close the freaking. He's like, oh, I'm here. He's writing notes, you know. And yeah. Of course, love Eddie to death. He is thorough, and he was coming to be his night man. And I was like, who? Who's Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Eddie. <laughs> but we put two and two together. And Malcolm told me before he left, he says, do not take these shoulders off till they hit 195 on every alarm. It's okay. Well, this was the first year you cooked Duroc. Guess what? Where you had them probe, they're never going to hit 195. <laughs> so at 187, I'm poking. I'm like, these shoulders are done. But Malcolm said, don't take them up to 195. Leave them on there. They keep on cooking. Still don't get to 195. Waylon comes down the hill. And I hadn't, I didn't know Waylon real well. What either. time was this? Like six, like eight? six oh, yeah. yeah. I said, Waylon, Malcolm said take these to 195, but I think they're done. He poked it, and he threw the thermal pin down and walked off. And I was like, I guess we screwed these up. <laughs> he was on fire tonight then. <laughs> Left him go. So we take Sometimes them. you got to make a judgment call. If I say one thing, <laughs> ignore but he- that. <laughs> you was Malcolm Reed. I was doing whatever you said. <laughs> this was 10 years ago, too. Oh, man. That's when he was still having a good time out there. Yeah. That's I'm when, sure I had a great time that That's day. when Jim was with us, and it come the flood, and he had his deadliest catch outfit on. So he was a nightman, too. Yeah, but I we- had all kinds of nightmares. That's the year we had the big two-story scaffolding. Yeah. 
We tarped it up. That's when I had to catch the grizzly cooler before one, it went two, to Mississippi three, River. Four, five, six. I probably had eight nightmen that night. Mark's not telling you that. There was eight nightmen. One there. of those nightmen was Ben Pickle. That does not count. <laughs> well, seven and a half. Yes, but he didn't sit down and make a plan. No. Yes, I knew. I knew. And I, I told him then. I said, "Next year, you ain't doing this to me." I can't remember what happened. You got on stage. I'm glad you stuck around, Mark. I'm glad we didn't run you off. I wonder every year after leaving Miss House, like, I'm done. <laughs> we ain't, cook, we ain't doing this team. next we year. We ain't doing these jack legs. I do that every year. Every year. I do it every year. <laughs> Sunday morning, you say, we cook a Memphis May next year? No, we'll know. Oh, that's the worst thing about Memphis May. You got to go back Sunday morning after you get your teeth kicked in on and you got to go look on the bulletin board to see how bad it was, and you get yeah. to the third page, and your name still ain't on the list. Yeah. You're like, crap, I ain't even looking no more. <laughs> Somebody else had to tell me. It's bad. It's a love-hate. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait either, Mark. You ain't got me pumped up. <laughs> you got me pumped up. I got the curtains and the yeah. tablecloths all ready to go. You got our, you got our liquor bought yet? <laughs> no, that's this week. All right. It's going to be good. Um, I got I really one question. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I hope the weather's yeah. good. I got one community question that I thought would uh, go along with what we're doing. <laughs> well, it's something we've been talking about this week at work. Um, this person is looking to make pulled pork for nachos for 85 guests. Oh, yeah. We figured it up. We're going to get about 15 about fifteen nachos out of one pork butt. If it's a, you know, nine, eight to 10-pound butt. You should get enough to make about 15. So How many people? 85? 85. Cook five pork butts, you'll have a little leftover. You'll be good to go. They said they'd rather have some leftovers. I'll do six then. <laughs> you probably, well, you're going to have to. Yeah, it's yeah, going to come in two, two packs. packs. They, no, they don't sell. They still still sell two packs. Sam's went to singles, hadn't they? Last time I, I bought them, they were singles. Well, but, but anyway, I was buying cases, yeah. Anyway, you'll have plenty. Yeah. Five to six would be enough. <laughs> How many was Jamie was having to do? How many? Four hundred and fifty. Oh yeah, he's doing pulled pork nachos. He bought yeah. like thirty eight bucks. Oh really? That's what he's, he's doing a, this morning? He's cleaning that yeah, pit. He called me and told me, "I'm gonna be a little late. I gotta clean this pit." <laughs> and that pit was rough. What the big old the big rotisserie? Yeah. Well, we didn't know. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not telling this on podcast. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. I just see keep dollar. your pit you say clean. That? I just see dollar signs. No, it's it's clean. It's just water and steam and. Uh, okay, I gotta know. Not on this box. I'm sure water got in it probably, and it didn't get clean last time. Was there an probably, animal living in there? No. Okay, we would never do that. There wasn't fish <laughs> women. <laughs> um, there was <laughs> family of coons to move in. I didn't tell you what we. I may have. Sorry, I know this is another story. Leaving something in the pit. We cooked a toker, right? Yeah. Jay come down to help us cook it. So when we first got the pit fired up. I was like, man, something smells off. I found out when we got home after we done cooked the contest what was off. Our little ash shovel. Yeah, we cooked the heck out of it. It stayed in the firebox oh, the whole time. It was, <laughs> the metal one. Yeah, it was just in the firebox. Yeah, we cooked it up good. It, it's it's heat treated now. It's heat treated. It's what real it, hard. Does it work? I mean, is it? Yeah, it works. It's steel. <laughs> it's, it was just in there. It's carbon steel now. Like yeah. it's it's hot. I was like, man, I don't know what that smell is. It kind of smells like paint burning. It probably it was. was. <laughs> it was. Fourth place painted hog right there. Fourth painted. Man, what kind of carcinogens did that put off? We just wouldn't lift that shovel in. We might have done better. Yeah, you might have had finals that day. There was one comment in the community I thought was funny. It just said, there's a possum living behind my black stone. Hey. What do I do? <laughs> Lure him out with some cat food, bop him in the head. 
<laughs> you just they'll, they'll play possum. Yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, yeah. You scared? You holler at them. They'll fall over. Pick them up. <laughs> possum's really a cool animal. Mm. You don't like them? I like them. I kind of like them. They kind of creep me. That's kind of like an armadillo. They really? creep me out too. You didn't see the dude on TikTok's got a pet possum. He takes the store stuff with him. Does he put it in outfits? Yeah, I, no, I didn't see him dress it up or nothing. But I did see a dude with a little monkey he had dressed up. What kind of TikTok rabbit hole you don't want down? <laughs> you know, she'll sends me these pictures of <laughs> TikToks of cats. And next thing you know, I'm getting every animal at the Digum Wild Kingdom on my feed. I love you Malcolm's TikTok algorithm. Like, I can stay on there for hours. Is it boobs and cats? Oh, it's <laughs> boobs and cats. A lot of thick women. <laughs> Never mind. We ain't going there. <laughs> that could go down a rabbit hole quick. <laughs> yeah, there's a little sports mixed in. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of sports mixed in. That's about it. I mean, it's all- My, yeah, they're not going to pin me down on one thing. <laughs> on an algorithm. <laughs> Mine goes all over the place. I get a lot of Theo Vaughn, too, I guess. Do y'all do that? Did y'all, did y'all get him I did for a while. I'm on that other stand-up comedian now. I can't think what his name is. The little young guy that, like, interacts with the audience. Yep. I can't What's his name? his name? Nate Bergazzi? No. He's not young. Oh. I can't think what the guy's There's name. a few of them. But yeah, I was thinking oh, you're going to have to narrow that down. Yeah. <laughs> this, this guy, I'd love to go see this guy. I wouldn't yeah. want to sit on the front row, but I'd love to go see this guy. Uh, see hard on him? He's pretty good. He's- <laughs> They're all doing crowd work these days. Anyway. Uh, well, that's about all the time we have. Today. Hey, what, uh, what happened with our contest we were running for the spring clean? So it's all over. Uh, I was waiting on two people to answer me, but I think everybody else's prizes should be like shipped and almost to y'all by now. We are going to be doing a new giveaway pretty soon because we did just start what we're calling Malcolm in May. Um, if you guys mm-hmm. can see, if we go back in the podcast or else change the thing to be on Malcolm for a second. So we do have some new apparel. Uh, and so what we're you got be- on? <laughs> Man, this is my... How to barbecue right in Miller Lite inspired shirt. <laughs> Hope they don't sue me over it. Uh, we do have a few more options as well, but we w- are going to be doing a giveaway with those. So if you guys want to get prepared for How that, barbecue, can you see it? I got the hot grill summer one yeah. and the hot oh, grill summer hot shirt. Grill, that that one's a little, hot grill summer. Yeah, that one's a little delayed. So that one's not quite up oh, yet. Is it not? <laughs> you got the limited edition. One. Yeah, limited yeah, edition. yeah. It's I coming. Like that color. Um, but sagey. there are a few uh, other options as well. So those will be live. Tyler, you got one on too. I do. Hold on. Are you finna get up model? Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, yeah. get it. Yeah, get in there with Mark. You can spin it around. There you go. You can see it. I don't know. You can see that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind a of beachy. pig on the beach. Yeah, pig on the say? beach. Sizzle sip, repeat. He's even got a bottle of rub spilled on the bottom. That's the that's the summer hog shirt. But anyway. So we're going to be giving some of those away, so if you guys want to get prepared for that, make sure you guys head on over to facebook.com forward slash H2Q community. And if you guys want to check out all of Malcolm's favorite recipes, make sure you guys head on over to howtobbqwrite.com, and you can download us on the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Mark, when, where, where can they find you? At a hog contest. <laughs> At a hog, in Bull, yeah. Bull, Mississippi this week. No, y'all can check us out on Swine Life BBQ. Um, shoot us any emails if y'all got questions. We're on YouTube. Uh, little, I'm, a, I'm in the dark on YouTube right now, but... I'm always there if you need. I check comments as much as I can. You're over on Buck Junkies, too. Doing yeah, over Buck Junkies. That's what you keep me too busy around here to do other stuff. You're cooking hogs. You're doing barbecue. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Two Bush weeks, you'll in. see us on stage holding that big trophy. That's hopefully. right. That's right. Shell, tell them about how good blue plate mayonnaise is. It's the best mayonnaise on the planet. <laughs> Quality, real mayonnaise since 1927. One of the only mayonnaise that still uses a lot of egg yolks in the recipe. Right, Tyler? 
Right. And if you're looking for that specific packaging that you can see in the screen right there, it's not available. They did change it up a little bit. They kind of went with a retro logo. So if y'all are looking for it on store shelves, make sure y'all lo- are looking for the retro logo. And check out the hot and spicy one. That one's really good. Really good. Hashtag spread the love. <laughs> Hashtag spread the love. I like that show. And if you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ right on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and of course YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. You connect at Memphis in May in two weeks. Yep. We're going to be down there. Bullfrogs will be in effect. Don't come Good in unless time. you're bringing luck. Bring some luck with us. Yeah. Good but, vibes and luck. Yeah. If you got a black cat with you, you are not allowed in the booth. <laughs> well, I have one more podcast before Memphis in May, right? Next week? Yes. Right. Actually, then, two. Oh, we're going to do one, like pre do one before the yeah. contest? Yes, yes. Okay. So that's still going to feel like we got some time then. Hopefully, yep. we're still excited by then. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. We're going we're gonna to have a meeting tomorrow. I'm, I'm scheduling with y'all right now. Tomorrow, we're going to have an out office meeting. It's going to be at one of my local favorite water holes. It's going to be about brunch time, and there will be tacos involved and possibly margaritas. <coughs> Breakfast margaritas. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in, and we'll be back next week to talk more barbecue and how to do it right. Thank y'all for listening. We gone.